This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Like anytime I hear someone humming Weak by SWV. Oh, yeah. Um, anytime someone knows the movie Soul Food. Oh, God. Anytime. Soul like, Food it's was just so certain, good. <laughs> it's just something that like those little things where I'm just like, wow, you get me on a whole nother level. Speaking of soul food and references, have you ever seen the Boondocks summary of soul food? I have not. Oh, oh no. My God. Okay, 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 okay. We're going to take a slight, like the slightest detour, uh, and we're going to play this. We're going to pause this for the benefit of all y'all who never saw soul food. Soul food is a movie about a big, humongous black grandmother, aptly named Big Mama. Big Mama demonstrates her love by feeding herself and her offspring enormous amounts of kid love. Then, she dies of a heart attack. And what does the family do after she dies? They get together for a Sunday dinner and eat the same food that just killed Big Mama. food! They didn't learn a lesson. Nobody went on a diet, and that's the end of the movie. Wow. Yo, when you say it like that, Wow. I love it so much. Nobody went on a diet. Nobody learned a lesson. <laughs> That's soul food. That's it wow. Is, it is soul food. And it's hilarious. But isn't that also just like the black experience in it America? Is. Like, it very, very much is. Uh, like <laughs> our traditions are killing us with our food. Oh my God. Our traditions are killing us in lots of ways. Oh my God. Like there's a... Um, Another meme, speaking of like memes and all this other stuff, that's just like black people deserve better. And it's just like, yeah, yo, like just the triumphs of the black story and and knowing what we've how we've taken our own kind of struggle and really shine from it is just like it makes me so proud and then also sometimes really sad to realize that yeah, stories like Soul Food where you're just kind of repeating the same negative habits that got us here in the first place unknowingly you know what i mean i don't know i thought it was important at the time but now you're you're kind of putting a big hole in this which is well, i think, I think very much that. like the black experience it's it's dual it's both positive representation and uh perpetrating uh negative aspects of our upbringing you know what i mean it's like the family dinner idea is good what they're promoting i.e the soul food not so much but then the family ties and the closeness and the relationship that they all have and they try and they come together because of big mama all of that's really positive you know what i mean i think i think there's actually not to not to go too off topic but i think i actually saw that there is a soul food vegan restaurant in la where a guy is purposely trying to redo soul food in a healthy way to keep the traditions alive without you know continuing the toxic behavior of you know fatty foods and fried foods i i do believe you're correct um i i i'd have to look up the name but yeah i'm gonna find that and go uh but also let's not forget that uh soul food gave us the infamous quote 
Family fucked my husband. <laughs> That's yes. right. Faith fucked my husband. <laughs> we do love it. When the spawnies What up, bruh? What up, bruhs? <laughs> and welcome to Bruh Meets World. What up, bruh meets world? Your boy meets world fan cast. Welcome to episode 32. I'm Siege. And I am TC. All right, TC, where you at? What's going on? <laughs> um, Nothing. Chilling, chilling. Mind my business. You'll sell all the time. I believe this. <laughs> I swear, I swear, he's my witness. Brother had it going on with something kind of wicked. I love, like, it. I think there's, like, some kind of um, solidarity or, like, you feel a connection when someone says a song lyric and you, like, immediately know. Like, you're like, yes, <laughs> you you speak in quotes, too. Yeah, it's 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 how I've made most of my friends in my adult oh, life. Oh, absolutely. References. I realize, um, and I'm, like, going to post this, so, but, like, Memes are our generation's way of saying, yo, you're not in this alone. You know, it's like a... <laughs> yeah, it's that thing of saying, like, um, it's almost like, uh, you know, we we understand each other. Exactly. It's, it's, it's this thing of, like, oh, you grew up watching Kazam as well. Exactly. We have similar experiences or we have a similar understanding of the world because of the entertainment we enjoyed together. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's it gets... a really weird way, but it's very true. It's like uh, that shared. It's like saying, "Hey, we may be different, but we have shared experiences." experiences. Yeah, We're, we have this shared existence right now. Uh, I feel you, bro. <laughs> All right, are you ready to get into this? Yeah, let's jump in. Morning announcements uh, again. Following up, so we asked you guys a while back to come up with a name from uh, for Harley and the gang, and you guys were very nice in submitting submissions. And uh, TC, I'm gonna like list them off, and you tell me which ones you you feel you're leaning closest towards. Sure, yeah. Okay, so the nominees are the ones that are, like are the top ones were Deuces Mild, uh, the Kinda Crew. Uh, Harley and the Harley spelled with a C or a K for crew. K, like it's crew is spelled exactly the same K as Kiner. Kiner. Okay, got so, it. The Kiner crew, Harley and the Harlots, and John Adam Jaywalkers. Um, you know what? Harley and the Harlots. <laughs> that makes it seem like uh, I guess Harlot is what I think of. Uh, a promiscuous woman? Oh wow! Way to be sexist. I well, mean, I you're guess, probably not. No, way I guess off. like let's, when the, let's look up the definition. I, whenever I heard it, it's like you know, I don't know, like an old Southern book, like that woman's just a harlot who I don't know. That's how I know the word. I actually I looked don't know. it up just now, and it literally just says prostitute. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna nix that out because okay. I do not feel that Joey or Frankie are prostitutes at least at the time that we're seeing them yeah exactly um uh, the john adams jaywalkers it's kind of a mouthful for me i think i would go with the kiner crew however i would like make it a little bit more menacing and do like kiner's killing crew why first of all that's the kkk so no yeah oh no (laughs) menacing that's what we're going for (laughs) so that's my vote 
the Kindness Killer Crew. I am not supporting that. I will never, I I can say this with confidence, I will never be behind the KKK. So. Wow. (laughs) I mean, we're just talking about Harley Kiner, but, you know. But still, I don't even like the, I feel like killing just, it adds something unnecessary. Hmm. Yeah, okay. All right. right. I like the Kiner Crew. I mean, like, Deuces Wild was good. Well, here's the thing is that they're not specific, like, and I hate to kind of jump ahead, but we've done Joey it several and times. Frankie outlive Harley in this crew, so that's what makes me think that maybe the name shouldn't be centered around Harley's name. Maybe, but I still like even even when they're not, they're still kind of Harley's boys. You know what I mean? Like even when they uh, we get Griff's. It's Griff, right? When Griff comes in? Yeah, yeah. Even when Griff comes in, it's still like, we still think of them as Harley's crew, you know? I I, I, I don't know. I, I feel that they definitely developed those two characters far more than both Harley or Griff, especially Frankie. I'm just uh, saying it's kind of like the Temptations. Like, even when you get a new front man, it's still... Are, temptations you know, it's like, without David Ruffin is some fake-ass Temptations, <laughs> is what you're saying. <laughs> and I want to come to see you, Otis. um i okay so i guess i'll go with deuces mild since it's just kind of blanketed deuces mild and kind of crew you know what we'll let you guys tell us because i i feel like the uh it's between those two so um moving on to oh before we do that I kind of wanted to bring up something. Uh, I brought up Harley and the gang because we see them again in this episode, so it's very relevant for us to get a name for them, whether it's Deuces Mild or Kind of Crew. But... Kind of Killer Crew. <laughs> also, we have... Uh, I had this theory. Remember we had spoken a while ago about the opening titles meaning who's the most important to Corey at that time? Sure, sure. Yes, I do remember this discussion. It dawned on me that it could still hold true now. Because we've seen Corey the last few episodes be very self-centered. and He doesn't care about anybody right now. Anyone. And so the only person in the opening credits for these last few episodes, and I think this entire season, is Corey. Wow. Exactly. So I think we're still seeing the people who are most important to Corey at this time. And right now, Corey's thinking about himself more so than Topanga or Eric or Sean even. That's very evident throughout these episodes as well. Exactly, right? Wow. And, and, and I think from Corey's perspective, it's from him. He's, he's trying to find out who he is so he can understand where other people fit into his life. Yeah. And maybe that's just true of any time you have like a, you know... Uh, someone in a new setting, such as someone going to high school or something like that. Yeah. I, I just, y- y- yeah, that is very interesting. Hmm. Guys, tell us what you think. Yeah, no, no, I'm just, I'm very proud of that theory, and I'm glad you kind of agree. All right, so let's get into the episode. This episode, uh, season two, episode nine, Fear Strikes Out. All right, so tell me about it. Tell me about it. Tell me about it is the boys prepare for the latest makeout party where seven minutes in heaven is the main attraction. 
As usual, Corey is over-preparing and filled with performance anxiety, which is heightened when his brother Eric tells him he doesn't think he's ready. At the party, Corey is paired with Topanga, and the two spend most of their seven minutes discussing Corey's anxieties. When Topanga finally convinces Corey the best way to be good at kissing is through practice, Corey goes in for the kiss, but it's too late. Their time is up, and the whole party knows that they didn't do anything. Soon to be the whole school. When his parents realize it was Eric's words that are the root of Corey's problems, they tell Eric that he can't date until Corey's back into dating. Um, Eric proposes Corey take a friend to a low-key non-date at a coffee shop. Corey invites Topanga and the romantic atmosphere and low-stakes environment lead to a successful makeout session between the two. In the B storyline, Mr. Turner has the hots for the new teacher, Miss Thompson. Mm, uh, the B storyline is Miss T- Mr. Turner giving it to Mrs. Thompson. <laughs> I, I think we were all know that. I absolutely knew. And yeah, just the way that uh, it goes straight to Catherine, I was like, oh, uh, they they had a good first date. <laughs> oh, he they she absolutely gave it to him on the first date. Oh, That's, absolutely. I mean, first of all, uh, Mr. Turner, why would you not? But second of all, it was like that that kind of closeness. You were like, oh. They had, they, they had, had the first date, and literally the next morning she was like, "See you tonight." Yeah, what? exactly. Yeah. So, wow. and he and he his response, "Oh, I like her." Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, I'm sure you do. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, first thoughts. Let's let's really talk about this. What did you think about the episode? I am so perplexed over the what seems to be the established understanding of a seven minutes in heaven party. Yeah. I guess I grew up in a time where like, like we had parties and maybe shit like this happened at parties, but to like market a party as a seven minutes in heaven party where everyone comes and it's like a swingers party. People are putting their <laughs> names in bowls and pulling out like, and like what child agrees to go to this party where it's just like, Hey, we're going to pull a name out of a bowl. And that's the person you're going to make out with for seven minutes. Like what the hell is going on with these kids? And I, I had a really hard time just getting past that. To- well, not only is it like the, these seventh graders doing it, but like, everyone seems to know even like the parents later on amy is just like oh so how did it go and you're like wait so like everyone's okay with this everyone seems okay with it everyone seems to just be like oh yeah this is a thing that kids do they go to parties and they go in closets unsupervised and (laughs) Corey, we want to know the details i'm your dad tell us what happened yeah Yeah, it's it's very, very... This episode also brings up... I mean, and we'll get into it a little bit later, but this episode brings up the Curse of the Nice Boy label. Yeah, it, it does definitely touch on that, for sure. And I thought that was very interesting. Um, I mean, of course, looking at it through the 2018 lens, I have a lot of issues with this whole Corey being upset that he's a nice guy. Well, I I also felt like that this is not the only outlet in which I've heard of this trope. Uh, of course, that was it. Green Day had a song. Nice guys finished last. Yeah, I mean, I thought that would be very interesting considering like who you and I were in high school and like seeing if you felt the same. Like, like, what do you think? Um, you know what I think. I think there's some truth to the fact that um, 
some girls do like ex- like guys who they think are exciting or are edgy, but I don't think that holds true for all girls. And I also think that a lot of guys will use that as an excuse for why they're not getting the attention they want when really it has to do with them not checking themselves. Oh, no, I absolutely agree. I was more so thinking, but I, I agree with what you said. I was more so considering if you felt the same at that age. Like, what did you feel about this, about, like, being labeled a nice guy? It didn't really bother me very much. I don't know that I was specifically labeled a nice guy. I think people thought of me as someone who, like, like I was parentally approved, PA Uh or whatever it was. Like, I think I was that. But I was also, like... I don't know. I was kind of a clown. So yeah. I, I don't know. I, it wasn't an identifier that I felt like was um, I was stigmatized by. I can see that. Did you feel this? Did you feel you were um, given this? I think if anything, I tried really hard to keep up the persona of being a nice guy. Uh, yeah. But I, I didn't. But as you said, I never really saw it as like a negative thing. I wasn't. I don't think I was like, oh, nice guys finish last. You know, like that wasn't my approach to it. Uh, and sure. anything, my approach, and I could, of course, be romanticizing this, but I'm kind of thinking about it, and I just kind of remember being like, oh, no, like, being a dick or dickish behavior, why is that considered good, like, attractive? I just don't, you know what I mean? It's like a... You know what, though? I did, I did, I do remember feeling that way in high school, though, that there were certain girls who kept going out with guys, and I was like, these guys are assholes. Why are you interested in them? Like, I, I... There was some of that going on that I couldn't understand, and I can relate to Corey in that way. Yeah, but, like, I just never, I was, I don't know, I didn't see being labeled a nice guy, like, a kiss of death. The no, way that I, did, I never saw that either. I never saw that either. Yeah, and I just, I didn't know um, whether or not you did. N- no, not so much. All right, so... Um, uh, we've kind of hit on that, but let's go back for a little bit. In our roll call, we have Miss uh, Catherine Thompson. Catherine Thompson, who m- turns Jonathan into Sean. Yeah, yeah, very much so. <laughs> that was kind of just the main takeaway. I was like, wow, Jonathan just turned into just like such a a guy. Like yeah. before, he was like this really like um like sensitive, like understanding teacher who was very mature. But just so instantly, he was like, who that? Who that over there? Tell me about that. What's her situation? I laughed miss, at you, you didn't say Mrs. She, you didn't say Mrs. You said Miss, right? Yeah. Like, calm down, Jonathan. It's lunchtime at your job. Exactly. I was like, do you think any of this would even fly now? It was kind of like, I was like, this is really inappropriate, especially to be You're talking, talking to your boss, boss yeah. about trying to like hit it with a new hire. What are you exactly. doing? Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, this definitely wouldn't uh, fly. And then also, what do you think about like Jonathan's taste? Because she is, Miss Catherine is not Miss Kim. You know what I mean? It's like, they're very different looks. They... You know what? It's just it again. It's that Melrose Place type of look. I think they're just trying to grab that demographic of the time of just this is what attractive people in their mid thirties look like. And so let's make sure that you know, well, that Jonathan, he's a cute guy. Let's give him a romantic storyline and see if we can pull in some older viewers. Like I just think it was 
just that simple of a decision. Yeah. What do you, what, what do you think about Feeney's interaction with it all? Like playing the middleman and all this other stuff? I'm not specifically super comfortable with how chill he was. Like, I felt like he should have been like, like he said, like, I'm really not into this idea of you dating another faculty member. He was like, well, it's I love just that. your idea of it. Like, yeah, no, oh, no, no, I love it. He goes, you know. Mr. Turner, I frown upon faculty becoming involved with faculty. Then it's not a policy. It's just a facial expression. Uh, rule. <laughs> yeah. Just, I, yeah, I just, I thought it was really unprofessional, I guess. Yeah, I mean, like, it is. Uh, and ultimately, I just, it was kind of weird because when she, Miss Thompson comes and in a very rare thing, we have um, the other faculty talking to Feeney. She's asking Feeney about Mr. Turner and it kind of echoes this whole bad boy thing again. Because when Feeney's like, oh, he's definitely a rebel and all this other stuff, she gets excited. So again, we're Yeah, it, it perpetuates it. Exactly. Um, and she's like, I knew he was like a bad boy or something like that. But Mr. Feeney is saying all of these things and you can't tell if he's really like for Jonathan or like, it, you know, I he, think that Feeney thinks that by telling her like how, like he's a little edgy that it would make her stay away from him. Yeah. And it's exactly. doing the exact opposite. Exactly. And he tries to catch himself, but it's still, again, it's weird because then later on he comes up and he's just all, uh, Hey, so how'd it go? You know what I mean? It's like, I, yeah. it's a weird, weird adult interactive interactions. It's it's I just felt like they could have done um, if they were going to do like an adult romance storyline, I guess give it a little bit more weight than like it seemed as simple and silly as the kids stuff. Yeah, I mean, like I and again, even with uh, Turner's behavior, it, it's kind of directly there. You know, he's acting like a <laughs> Mr. Freener even says uh, we're not in high school. I mean, like we are, but <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh. I was just whatever about it, honestly. The whole Jonathan storyline, I, I was glad that, like, to kind of see him more. But once I saw the way he was acting throughout the episode, I was like, uh, this isn't the Jonathan I was hoping for in this episode. Okay. All right. So uh, what do you have? Well, you know, I again, I I thought this, this party was really strange. Um, there's this whole thing where Sean goes into the closet. And he, with Melanie, with Melanie, and he comes out and he looks like he just got his first hand job. Yeah, and he's just like the closet, Corey. The closet's like such this great place. The closet's I your just, friend. You, you know what's so crazy too is that we have episodes where Eric gives a girl a tour of the house, and then there's all these talks about control and sex and all these things, and like no one at all seems to be monitoring this party cares to monitor the party everyone seems to know about it but everyone's strangely on board with it that just really i guess took me into a weird spot where at one hand like you have eric getting scolded for maybe going too far with a girl and yet you seem to have amy and alan almost encouraging Corey to go to a situation like this i don't know i thought that was strange yeah no i guess it's um 
I don't know. It would be because the difference is, and I'm really just trying to rationalize it, is Eric bringing a girl back to the apartment, or not the apartment, the house, uh, and into his parents' room nonetheless. It's like things getting out of control, rising, not really thinking about it. I feel that the feeling with the parents is that Corey just needs to get out there uh, and not, you know, like Corey's not going to do anything because Corey's Corey, you know? He, so maybe it's that idea of just that they know Eric and they know Corey and they know that Corey would be too scared to even get a kiss in. So let's root for him. Exactly. And Eric will impregnate anything he can. So let's exactly. watch out for him. Okay. Exactly. I think it's definitely more of that, at least with the parents. Um, what the showrunners are thinking, I have no idea. <laughs> There's this really funny part where Corey goes into the closet with Topanga, um, which, by the way, maybe too easy having yeah. him and Topanga. Yeah, same here. I would have much preferred them to pull out like another name. But you know, one thing I have to say, the episode's been kind of good at, um, it, or the series has kind of been good at, is the option of like Corey going off with another man isn't it's not played directly into homophobia you know what i mean yeah because yeah. what i mean by that is like last episode um when cory meets griff griff's like he cory goes you're not gonna ask me to the dance are you and griff's only response is what if i did you know it's like oh, yeah. what's wrong with that what what are you saying is that a problem and cory's like no i would Say pick me up at eight. Um, and then this episode, we have Sean, uh, sorry, Eric being like, hey, invite someone on a non-date. Like, maybe Sean. And he goes, no, I'll bring Topanga. You know, it's like a, it's this whole thing where it's like, it's not really played uh, as sure. anti-gay or anything. So all I'm saying is what they possibly could have done was picking out a name and it was like another boy or picking out a name and that person not following through or not being there and Corey kind of circumstantially being paired with Topanga. So the only other time I've seen a party like this that I can recall in movies was in the 1985 film uh, Teen Wolf. <laughs> and in the movie, there is uh, Michael J. Fox's character has a girl named Booth, who's his best friend, and she has a crush on him, and he doesn't know it. And when Seven Minutes in Heaven comes around, she's, like, looking around to see who the other girls have, and she's trading names to get him. Mm. And that's what I was like, oh, I kind of wish I saw Topanga do something like that. Even if it was just one girl and they, like, traded names, or I saw her, like, I don't know, do something to influence the decision. Like, that, to me, I, th I would think, Just like, have a oh, little okay, bit more agency? A, a little bit more like, oh, okay, there's something to this. It's not just like, oh, okay, well, Topanga's the only other girl's name we've been introduced to. Let's just pull it. Like, I don't know. I just wish there was a little bit more to that. But I will have to say that Topanga and Corey, when they were in the closet, and Corey's like, uh, oh, you know, I'm, I I can't perform under all this pressure. And Topanga's like, yeah, that happens to a lot of guys. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, so this seven minutes in heaven thing is kind of, again them towing the line with teenage sexuality and like and having sex like Corey's like i can't perform under this pressure to me goes like it happens under to a lot of guys um girls talk well you know do when you tell them tell them that it was good uh and then again yeah. after the party when Corey goes back home 
his mom's like, so how was it? And then Alan kind of responds, you don't ask that to a, a boy. But later on, he's like, yo, you and I will get details later. And it's very much like this replacement for sex. Yeah, I, I again, I just, it's, to me, I, I can't quite understand where the show is with teenage sexuality. Is, I mean, I know Corey and Sean kind of consider, consider this to be a makeout party. Yeah. Um, but obviously that does not have to be exclusive in sub- to making out when you're seven minutes in heaven. So I don't know. It's interesting. It's also interesting the idea that, oh, that's what it was. Sean comes out of the closet and Corey's like, hey, was Sean, that the same that's shirt? the same shirt yeah. you wore when you went in? He's like, I don't even know, bro. What <laughs> happened? Yeah, exactly. So uh, it just, yeah, I'm just very curious to see like what kind of message you're trying to put out with that. It was definitely a handy J. So it's really interesting to me because one of the things that I'm just thinking now that you've brought it up are all of these movie tropes or TV tropes about what to do at a party. And if I ever did any of them, like all I can think of is I have been. I didn't go to any parties like this in high school or even college, really. Uh, But as we've gotten older, there's been all of these, like, I've been at parties before where people will play, like, spin the bottle. We never played that in high school. But, like, now that we're older and it's just kind of, it's used as, like, this tact of nostalgia that we never really did. Yeah, I played some out of control spin the bottle games, but they were always as adults, and it always started out as a joke over the yeah. idea of the spin the bottle from a TV show that we saw. Exactly, there was never any natural inkling to be like, "Hey guys, let's do this." Exactly, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Is it? It feels like it's still this layover of adulthood where they pretend, as opposed to something that kids. I think it's. I think it's. Life imitating art, not art imitating life. Exactly. Like, think about even uh, 13 going on 30. Uh, a large premise of that is, like, the whole seven minutes in heaven thing. Uh, sure. But, like, I think the more realistic part is, I, I mean, or even, I think in Friends, they do an episode where Rachel and them do spin the bottle. And you're like, okay, there are adults who are doing this. It's, yeah. It's not really realistic of kids. The only one I can, other example I can think of right now is Clueless when they play second ball. Yes, yes, which I've never played at all. Again, yeah, it's like, a, that's not really, it doesn't seem like the thing teenagers do so much as adults do pretending that, oh, remember when we did this when we were kids? Yeah. <laughs> and everyone's like, yeah, I totally remember when we did this when we were kids. But in reality, everyone had just the same anxieties that Corey has. Yeah, I, I just I feel like the whole idea of like a kissing game is something that we all think is synonymous with this this age, but in actuality isn't anything anyone this age feels comfortable doing. Yeah. What do you think about that? The whole discussion of like boys and the ang- Corey expressing this anxiety and not well, being Well, what I what I found to be very interesting was just the how everyone shames this kid afterwards like word gets out that he doesn't kiss like he's not kissing anyone and it's like i don't know i thought it was also very similar to like when he and topanga got caught sleeping in the thing and they were like did you did you guys did you bang her did you bang her Corey?" and it's just like it seems to be the opposite of that and i'm just trying to figure out what is this student 
populace that cares so much about the sexual ongoings of the seventh grader. And even like, like Frankie gives his two cents on it for no reason. And it just, I don't know. Everyone seems way too involved in this. And maybe this is like you said, Corey project. This is Corey's projection of him thinking the world revolves around him. Yeah. I mean, that's a very good way of looking at it. I also think it's interesting because I felt this, uh, the parallels that you were talking about, uh, how this is like kind of the opposite of the Topanga and Corey sleeping together uh, episode that we had not too long yeah. ago. It does feel like the other side of that coin, but uh, also kind of, well, what's interesting about that is we use Topanga again to show the depth of this conversation without actually having Corey learn it. You know what I mean? It's just like Topanga shows up knowledgeable of the fact that girls are responsible for a boy's reputation in this situation. Yeah. And I thought that was very interesting. She was just like, oh, yeah, well, what I girls talk and what they talk about, that kind of gets spread throughout the school. Um, and it's very weird. Yeah, I just, I I think it's very interesting to know how, you know, Topanga really kind of admits to not knowing what she's doing either. That's what I, I wanted to bring up, yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's one of those myths that we kind of all believe, that when we're young, like, other people know what they're doing, and we don't, we have no idea, and we're the awkward ones, when the truth is, like, no one knows what they're doing, like, and, and of course, there are those few kids in middle school or high school who did have really advanced experiences. But even then, they're still kids. And just because they did it doesn't mean they're experts on anything. So well, not, I think it's just... No, I was going to say not only that, but, like, depending on who they had those experiences with, you know, there's, like, a lot of those memes coming back where you're, like, when you re- remember that the 16-year-old uh, you were dating when you were 12 was actually just, like... <laughs> it's problematic it's like a, yeah this isn't good this wasn't like a, a positive thing um you were kind of being taken advantage of you know what i mean totally yeah and so i just i i, I just thought that was a really interesting part of of this was that realization because i remember that too i remember thinking that everyone else knew stuff that i didn't and i just i i think you we all kind of get to the point where you realize everyone's faking it until they make it well what's great about re-watching this series is just that i realized how much i was very much like Corey, and i didn't really pick up on the storylines or the subtleties of the other characters um, I just kind of identified with Corey and I followed his journey, but it's very clear that Topanga both cares about Corey and that she was just as confused and, and learning that, hey, yeah, everyone's just kind of faking their way through this is a really big part of what this episode's about. But I think both Corey and I at the time, a young me, took away that, oh, you know, eventually you'll figure it out. Corey has had some really silly ass storylines in the last few episodes with like the band thing I thought was kind of silly and him turning into a werewolf I thought was really dumb. So it, I felt I I enjoyed that I was able to go on this journey with Corey in this episode. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I think that this it's also one of those storylines that could kind of be updated right now. You know, the anxiety of being at a party. Uh, I think last was it last episode you talked about thirteen and and what that feels like. And oh yeah, after watching that movie, eighth grade, yeah, yeah, eighth grade, and eighth, eighth yeah, grade, it it just it, it, 
there was that kind of throwback to that feeling that anxiety of that night where you thought you might kiss someone and what that meant and like you kind of like replaying it over and over in your head before it even happens and thinking of the worst case scenario i mean all of that i was found very relatable exactly so i kind of think that this is good that they're talking about this and uh that it does approach this subject at this age of kind of building up the event in your head and where that can take you um and then also the mirrored message of hey everyone's kind of going through this and on another level especially with the mr turner and miss thompson thing uh it kind of never goes away so here's something i'd like to bring up all right go for it in a previous episode frankie yes enforcer yes said what are you saying i like my sister (laughs) And it was like a ha-ha joke. We glanced over it. Later on, that same episode, he said, what do you think? I like to write poetry. In this episode, we see Frankie performing poetry that he's written. Do we have enough evidence to support that Frankie is both gay and maybe has had a relationship with a sister? Yeah, uh, this, this is definitely one piece closer. <laughs> this I just I thought that like oh well we're gonna make one of these things really true and the other like few things not true at all no again I say we keep our eye on it but I also really really like it because while we're watching like sorry while we're at the coffee shop which I also want to get into and this is a great segue to that Harley and Joey are there you know they're supportive they're, they're oh my gosh Joey is the most supportive best friend like Joe Joey's the, the friend you all want to have he's just like you crushed it hey man don't, don't you think he did great he did great tell him he did great <laughs> like he's like he's just such a good friend to him exactly that's what I was saying like I really enjoyed watching it and it's kind of like this subplot that I definitely would love to like spend more time with if we were rewriting this you know what i'm saying yeah they have a great friendship and even harley's there i mean like you could tell he's kind of there and embarrassed by it this overly but when Corey calls him out on he's like carly you're here he's like what you don't think i have a sensitive side exactly (laughs) (laughs) and i really really enjoy just them being there for frankie and like making time they literally made time out of their day to support him and his artistic endeavors and i think that's yeah um, what did you think about this whole, like, um, Eric's influence over Corey before the party, the parents punishing him afterwards? What yeah. did you think about all that? Well, I actually, personally, I liked everything about it. I liked the fact that we've talked about Corey being insecure before. Corey really, he, at this point in time, especially since we know where he ends up going, he still listens to his older brother. He takes Eric's words to heart each and every time at this age and it makes sense that and i also believe that in the beginning eric was like kind of messing with him but kind of just being like hey Corey, you're in over your head and then you have like you know he kind of did it at first but then Corey, especially i don't know about you but like there are certain times where like i can tell i've like hit a button with my sister and I'm like oh you're about to overreact and i just kind of lean into it you know what i mean sure yeah yeah <laughs> and i feel like um, that's what it was I, I I have to say that this I I didn't know how I felt about this 
punishment. This, hey, you can't go out until he goes out. And I understand. Oh, I loved it, it but go for it. And I, I think I do agree with it. But at the same time, uh, I don't know. I guess I wouldn't want. No, you know what? I agree with it. I just yeah. Decided. I for do me, agree with I, it. I agreed yeah. with it. I liked. I thought it was a very fair punishment because, especially when they spoke to him about it and he was like, he made light of the situation. You know what I mean? He was just like, oh yeah. He was totally freaking out. I told him these things. He overreacted and they were like, all right, that's cool. Um, You broke this. You're responsible for fixing it. They're not saying that he can't go out. They're saying that he can't go out until Corey's confidence, which you purposely mess with, is restored. Sure, yeah. Um, And yeah, I, I, I do agree with it. I just, I think that this is the only way Eric could have learned a, enough of a lesson to leave Corey alone. Exactly. And I will say it's another one of those situations where the Matthews do really good at parenting Eric. You know what I mean? Like this is, they have these moments of like really coming up with creative ways for their children to learn lessons. Yeah. Which I feel like is just partly like a sitcom. Let's make this interesting thing. But also, um, you know, I think parenting involves a little bit of creativity sometimes. Exactly. I don't think you can just, I think the whole like our parents generation that just got, you know, spanked anytime they did anything wrong. I don't think there's a one punishment fits all thing. I think that there's a time for everything. And I think that sometimes you need to be a little bit more creative and find ways to really have your kids learn. Cause I feel like just like, timeout is not going to get the job done <laughs> like exactly you need to be you need to have some plan a's and plan b's for these kids especially with kids as smart and talented as eric and Corey. you know yeah it's just like a, well just punishing you is not going to really do anything i want you to learn uh and this show is all about learning for the most part learning life lessons so i really do like the that they tied it and even with that it's like Eric still takes a shortcut through it. He doesn't come forth and like, hey, I made a mistake. Um, you have nothing to worry about, blah, 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 blah. He kind of does it in a roundabout way of being like, a, hey, I want to go on this date. I can take you to a great place and bring you along. You know, like he pretends to be the good brother. Yo, and I have to say, like, it's a smooth move. It's a smooth <laughs> oh, yeah. Because the poetry lounge, the when they got there, I was just like, yo, this is kind of a spot. And I have to say, because the last time I was in LA with you, we went and saw Slam Poetry, and you were yeah. like, yo, I need to bring a date here. Yeah, like, no, it's, no, no, no. It's a good spot. I want, I've been waiting to bring this up, and I guess now is as good a time as any. Let's talk about the poetry room. Because two <laughs> things. One, it's clearly Chubby's just draped in fabric. Absolutely. Just like the just like the makeout party is the same party from the previous episode of the basement. Oh, you're right. I didn't even notice that. It's just the f- different furniture, but it's the same it's the same set. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, okay. And this is clearly like I said, it was like, oh, it's chubby's just with drapes everywhere. You guys didn't even try. You didn't even remove the banister. You're like, it's fine. <laughs> You know what? The budget they had was <laughs> modest on the show. Yeah, but um, this poetry reading. Okay, so first of all, it's clearly like a coffee house thing. As you said, you and I went to poetry train. Uh, sorry, a poetry reading. It was fun. I definitely think it's a good date night thing. 
But the spoken word that this dude does, I was like, oh, they are not even trying to be subtle. It is. Oh, no. He's sexual. Yeah. This the guy who ends up doing the poetry that everyone starts making out to is essentially talking about fruit in the most explicitly sexual way possible. It's peaches specifically. And peaches play a very strong. uh, Well, you know, in both of them. I am I, aware. <laughs> I, can, I can eat a peach for hours. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Peaches ripened in the sun, hot and sweet. Juice wetting your lips. And you nibbling the soft flesh. <laughs> but yeah, the boy, the this poetry guy pretty much says the same thing. Like, it, his just... His speech about the or his poem about the peaches and going into it, I was all hot and bothered. I was like, okay, boy. Yeah. And so I'm assuming that Eric knew. Like Eric must have just known that this was a hot spot to go to. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh and it's also like it's really funny because we get the Topanga and Corey on the couch listening to this poetry, and they're just kind of like yeah, it's just, it's 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 like weird to think about, but also I'm really happy for them. But I'm also like, they're seventh graders. No, stop. Well, also too, what the one of the other things I couldn't quite understand about their hesitation in the seven minutes room is that we've already seen them kiss like exactly two or three times already. I was thinking the same that's thing. What, that's what made me think that it should have been a different girl because then I can understand the nervousness. But Corey, you just made out with this girl a few weeks ago on Halloween. So, like, why is this such a weird thing for you? So, I mean, obviously, maybe it was just the pressure of everyone being right outside the door. But he was very familiar with Topanga. I think it's, A, I think it's pressure. And then, B, what's really clear to me in this episode is, again, we talked about earlier not deserving uh, Topanga. He doesn't see Topanga. He doesn't see her, you know, as like, I just, he doesn't really see Topanga. He also doesn't seem to respect her. That's what I'm saying. Like, he does in, like, his Corey way of, like, respecting other people, but he doesn't really consider other people is what I'm saying. He's so freaked out about where he stands. Even when he's talking to it, Topanga's like really excited about kissing him and he doesn't even see any of that. He She is just she was ready to do anything he wanted to do in that closet. And he specifically goes, I want to do what everyone else is doing. You know what I mean? And then he ended up saying something that was, like, super offensive to her, where he was like, I just want to get this over with. Yeah. Or something like that. That's what I'm saying. It's like, she was just like, oh, so you're only doing it for what everyone else? Because you want to be part of the crowd? And he's like, yeah. And it's like, oh, so it doesn't even matter that I'm here. And I I think to Topanga, she is remembering, like, we've kissed several times. Why is, you know, it's like, oh, you still don't see me. I don't know. I just was really angry at Well, Corey did end up saying something like, hey, it's not you. It's just me. And that's where they get into that. I have a hard time performing under this pressure. He does take blame for it. But, well, still, he but is- again, he says it's not you. It's me. But it's also clear that that's like the theme of this. Corey's not even think it could. It doesn't have to be Topanga if it was anyone else in the closet. He'd still have the thought that it's not you. It's me. Um, yeah, but he's he didn't say that to kind of like 
calm her fears more so than to just make it about him again. Yeah, I I have to say, like, I don't know. This episode's just kind of uh, for me. Like, it's better than the last one, but I'm still just feeling like there could have been so much more done with this premise. And um, I think I just haven't been a huge fan of some of the episodes recently that this seemed like a better episode to me. But as we're dissecting it, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Like, what do you think about it? Tell me what what you would have preferred instead. I... I pref- I would I think I would have preferred if there was a little less of the focus on the party. I I don't know. I think I just got really distracted with this party. And I don't honestly know of a better way they could have done this episode, but I just I don't know. Maybe I'm just poking holes at it because I didn't really like it very much. <laughs> All right. Well, so uh, let's let's move on then. Is there anything that you did like about it? Cuz again, I really enjoyed the, the humor. Well, I like the, the humor, humor is so spot on throughout. And I liked the poetry reading. I thought it was, I mean, we can talk about the uh, epilogue scene uh, in a little bit, but like just in general that it reminded me of the 90s. It's like this coffee shop. It's clearly before cappuccinos became like a big thing. You know well, what I mean? Uh, when Corey's like, when Topanga's able to order like the drink that she wants, Corey's like, you're from another world. And I was like, no, all the kids know their coffee orders nowadays. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking. I, think, I thought it was weird that Corey can't even say cappuccino. He's like cappuccina. But in like 10 years time, we're all going to Starbucks and like have like our it order. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know what I could have done without? I could have done without the Jonathan storyline. I didn't think it added anything to the episode. I agree with you. I don't think it really added much. Um, I feel like they just kind of wanted to show another love story. And they could have yeah. even done it like they could have done it had we known more about Eric's date. But like. Yeah, I get you. I kind of almost wish that the Jonathan story was completely out and that, I don't know, maybe the party was either at the end of the episode or like the very beginning and they moved on to it from it really quickly. Okay. I mean, like, I again, I think... I don't know. I don't I think, know. No, no, I think you're I'm right. poking you're, holes. You're just, you're poking holes at it and that's completely fine. Um... The one thing I also wanted to bring up that I just wasn't a huge fan of was uh, Word Painter. Like, they call, instead of calling him, like, the poetry artist or, like, performance, he's just like, our next Word Painter is... Ugh, that sounds gross. I'm not, I don't want to know, I don't want to hear anyone's Word Paint. (laughs) Exactly. To me, I was like, oh, God, it's just, ugh, so disgusting. But, yeah, I mean, I, I did enjoy the entire area in um inside the coffee shop even so like kind of like bringing it back a little bit we get uh when harley was there and everyone had been making fun of Corey. harley's just like oh yeah like i love watching my little seventh grade ant farm and when one of you are injured you know i i I care yeah that (laughs) i i do i can see that harley in some ways has an affection for baboon (laughs) so you know kindly refers to him but i do think it's a very twisted logic affection it's that way of like how trump says that he loves us (laughs) (laughs) i didn't think it was that bad but wow 
Well, you know, it's just that whole thing of just like, well, you think you do, but here's why you don't. So, I don't know. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I I liked it, and I see it as him kind of taking a little bit of interest because he doesn't have, like, a nickname for Sean or Eric. You know what I mean? Yeah, that is very true. He he literally does come up. I mean, we see him be there and be supportive of Frankie and Joy. Again, I don't think he knows how to express that love. In a I kind of wish I saw this. What are we calling them? The the KKK. What are we calling them? The kind of crew. The kind of crew. Yeah. I kind of wish I saw them do a little bit more menacing gangster activity. I'm starting to just refer to them as friends because... <laughs> they don't really do anything. In fact, they had the chance to bully Corey in this episode, and they kind of tried to make him feel better. This is so, why your K doesn't make sense because they're not killers; they are just the not. crew. Like you want them and to really, be more of a game. It's just Harley, <laughs> and he's so soft. So exactly. I, so what I'm saying is, this is thank you guys for listening. This has been one long discussion on calling yeah. them the kind of crew. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We just needed to work through the episode to get here. <laughs> Full circle moment. Okay. So to wrap it up, is there anything else you have? No. I uh, no, not at all. I have one other thing to say. A gooba. A go- well, hey, d- uh what did you think of Feeney's reaction to the poet? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because right. there is this epilogue scene where everyone's at the poetry lounge and everyone's going there apparently to hook up. Yeah. And everyone has a date. And George, I don't know if he's looking at the the poet as if he's doing a good job or really like he's horrified by what he's hearing i think in my my interpretation was that this i mean because remember we we open up on the poem and it's called like the food aisle and poetry boy is back at speaking about peaches again but this time they're canned and the syrup and the drink and i just feel like george is just like there are seventh graders here yeah i think yeah i think that's it it's like he understands how fucking like hardcore porno this this poem is. exactly and you have mr turner and miss thompson off at the bar like basically about to grind each other and again you're just like there are seventh graders here what is this world coming to yo but he's still boss bosses are like your boss is sitting right over there yeah your students are sitting right over there their parents are right over there zip up those jeans turner (laughs) what are you doing uh exactly and those jeans were already pretty tight so i feel like they got a little bit tighter so i mean yeah there was there were some funny parts of this episode but overall it was kind of blah really you're not gonna say anything about a a goobwa a goob a goobwa I don't know how to say it right. A goobois. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I just thought it was really funny that he was like, it was so embarrassing. I had to make up a new word for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was, again, the humor was on point this episode. Okay. So do you have a bruh moment at all? Um, I think the bruh moment for me was just the idea of this party. Um, this whole makeout party whole thing. I was just like, bro, is this even a thing? Does this ever exist? Is this something kids are doing? Like, I don't know if that qualifies for a bro, but that was just the mo- one moment that really took me out of it. And I was like thinking about the relevancy of it and if it even existed or if this was something that was made up by television. Yeah. Um, I think you guys should definitely let us know if this is like something you've seen before. Did any of you do any of these seven minutes in heaven parties in 
actual middle school. Like, yeah, maybe we just weren't invited to the cool party. That's maybe very that's cool. It. It's like there's a whole generation of people at uh, our high school who's just like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> they were yeah. held every Thursday at Cowboys. Like, what are you? Exactly. That's that's yep. That's our high school. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's what makes me think that. Uh, yeah, no, that's the, that's a question I want everyone to respond to. If you have had these parties, please let us know because I would love to know if kids were really getting down like this. Okay, and then from there, um, my bro moment was actually, I had mentioned it earlier, just Topanga in the closet being like, a, you know, girls talk and, and that idea of a, a male's reputation being kind of in the hands of women um and and what that all meant but then also yeah i think that's a that's a good one and then oh and and just to group into that and maybe you it's a different point but the the shame that Corey got for not going through with it was really kind of a bruh situation too exactly uh and i really like when again that whole nice guy conversation you know, and like what it means and, and the stigma of being a nice guy. I was sure. really, really intrigued by that. Um, and I, I thought it just brought up a really good point of discussion. How about Feeney, Tommy? What's the lesson of this episode? Lesson of this episode, I guess it's just to move at your own pace, perhaps. Like, yeah. not deal with the pressure that other people put on you to, you know, do certain things by a certain age. I know that there was, like, I don't know if there was uh, an established idea of that when I was growing up. But there was this idea that, well, you know, I'm in high school now, so I should have made out with a girl. Or I should have done this, you know, at by this age. Or, I, I don't know. There was just uh, those kind of unspoken pedestals that we try to reach that i thought that it was there was something interesting i think if we even go back to the episode like i think it was like episode two of this season that we had christine on with it was just like we talked about those expectations and like what you were supposed to be doing and this episode's really good at being like a you that anxiety is unwarranted, you know, just find someone who you get along with and, and that you don't feel that pressure with. Yeah. Cause that's the one thing I've learned from just my life that I think that has helped me mature past this specific concept is that if I'm someplace, I don't want to be the people who I would want to spend time with are actually at the place I do want to be at. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, like, no, it does. Yeah, so, like, to not pressure myself into a circumstance or to a situation that I don't feel comfortable because I don't really want to hang out with people who put that pressure on me. And exactly. I think it, it takes a while to learn that. Of course it does. Um, all right, so what grade are you giving this? Oh, rough. Um, I'm giving it... I'm giving it a B-. Minus. Um, again, I, I didn't... I thought the episode was better than the last few but it's just it was just all right i don't think there was anything super remarkable about it um yeah yeah i'm actually gonna give it a c to me it's just an average episode it's nothing really great about it it's nothing terrible i think a c is really good um i think we get better use of all of our characters the turner subplot kind of really doesn't go anywhere we get a little bit of morgan time and well i do think that kath kathleen is that her name Catherine. Catherine, the teacher 
she sticks around for a few episodes. Ah. So I think even though she was kind of introduced and it didn't seem like it was finished, yeah. um, or it was just kind of seemed like a one episode thing, she's actually going to be around for a while and be a. Well, I'm happy to see her return. And you did remind me that Morgan was in this episode because I forgot she was even in this damn family. (laughs) (laughs) And I was fine with it. And when she showed up, I was just like, oh, why are we why are we doing this? (laughs) Why are we doing this? Yeah. (laughs) That's how I feel about Morgan. I'm sorry, guys. At least for now, maybe older Morgan, I'll be more on board with it. I'm really excited to see what we get from older Morgan. Okay, so that is our episode. Do you have any homework? homework um you go first actually okay yeah so my homework is actually going to be speaking of anxiety uh has anyone seen the show bojack horseman have you ever seen it yeah i've seen parts of it i haven't seen it consistently oh my god i love that show it's really one of my favorite shows uh it always is really great it's a netflix show and um, it's about, or at least it deals a lot of, like, just the pressure we put on ourselves and the anxiety and depression um, and fame and all these other things, expectations. So I think it's a great thing to watch if you deal with any of those things. But it's also really funny because it refers a lot back to the 90s and all of the pop culture stuff that we love to deal with. So Bojack Horseman is my recommendation. I really think you guys will like it. Um, and yeah, that's my homework. Um, I don't really have anything super relevant or new. I've been okay. watching a ton of old Always Sunny in Philadelphia episodes. <laughs> and I I really love that show. So if you guys have never watched It's Always Sunny, especially like those first five seasons are amazing. Um, oh my God. They're available where they're streaming. So the very yeah, first them. episode is one where I hate it. So it hooked much, me. The but moment I actually, saw the episode, I was yeah, like, I'm on board. Especially the ending, the last like little lines of dialogue at I know the exactly end of that episode. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? You guys are brilliant. As much as I hate this, it's I, I the want. show <laughs> has been on for forever and it's so underrated. It never wins an award. You never see this cast anywhere, but their chemistry is fantastic. They write all their own stuff and they're they they come up with some really original storylines. Um I just I think they're just grossly underrated. So whenever I get a chance to promote Always Sunny, I'll, I'll throw it out there. I, I think they have a new season starting up. So I will agree that they're underrated, but I wouldn't say that you don't see them anywhere. I think a lot of them uh, they're branching out a little bit more now. Yeah, yeah a lot of right. them are branching out. They've been in other things. They have other side products or projects. And um, there was just funny. a point where I considered this to be the funniest show on TV, and yeah, I, just, I, I never really it was, thought getting the credit it, it deserved. It was held as like Seinfeld, but yeah. with worse people. Um, and Which is very accurate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that there's something to that about what you were saying, just the comedy and and what it did for television. It was also one of the very big, I think if I'm not mistaken, it was like an experiment the first season, right? Well, it was, it was, and I think this is kind of part of this do it yourself millennial generation where they literally just filmed the, the pilot in their apartment with a camcorder they had yeah. and sold it like that, like that, rags to riches story of making it is 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 there and it's just very interesting when you learn that you know they paid almost nothing and they shot around they got to do the exact show they wanted they got full control over it and they got dandy devito to come in and play one of his greatest characters ever yeah um, frank frank yeah. is definitely uh it's a horrible character 
but he's he brought I, something to the show. Gosh, like, I, I can't see Danny DeVito without seeing Frank now. It's a role <laughs> that he's so transformed in himself to that I just, it's all I see. I mean, um, on that being said, uh, I'm just going to throw this in there for homework. You guys, like, this is like extra credit if you want to. Matilda. Let's bring back Matilda. Ooh. Yo, Danny <laughs> DeVito directed that movie. What? See, again, this, yeah, I did not, I did not know that. I'm gonna I'm 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 double check that before I leave that out there, but I'm almost positive that he directed that movie, and that's why Rhea Perlman's in it too. Yeah, I do remember. I knew they had something to do with it, whether they yeah, were like financiers or whatever. Wow. Yeah. All right. So yeah, let's let's give it up for Danny DeVito. Yeah. All right. So that's Pearl all we fun. got for you guys. Um, we're gonna go get a cappuccino. <laughs> oh. What's the word? Oh gosh, I just missed it. Abla. A goobwa. A goobwa. A goobwa. <laughs> Guys, remember, a goobwa. A goobwa, and uh, stay away from the food aisle. Those peaches, yo. Let me get you into Ooh, some trouble. Mm, mm, those syrup covered peaches. Mm. Nibble. Nibble, mm, nibble. Nibbling on those peaches. <laughs> mm. <laughs> So um, that is our episode. Closing us out. Thank you for listening to Broad Meets World. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, all of the places, all of the things. Leave us a rating. Send us the comments. Give us your feedback. Whatever you do, make sure you do it at Broad Meets World. That's at Broad Meets World. Or email us at World at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Extra Siege, X-T-R-A-C-E-E-J. TC. You can find me at the Braver Me on Instagram and yeah. All right. On yeah. here. You can find me on this podcast, guys. Spread the word. He is here. Even though I keep trying to I, I come back every single time. Every single time. The traps aren't working is what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> um, no, speaking of that, with the we want to talk about R. Kelly? No? Okay, oh, we'll move on. Oh no, we're not. <laughs> okay, let's just let's just end up. Remember to dream, try, and do good. Later, bruh. Later, bruh. <laughs>